0: This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. Keep listening for actionable tips and tricks to incorporate
1: eco-friendly practices into your daily life. We've been featured by Apple as the number one podcast for conscious consumers, and we can't wait to welcome you into our community of changemakers. I'm Lisa. And I'm Laura. We're the
0: founders of Brightly.Eco, the new platform for conscious consumers. We believe in supporting all creatures, great and small.
1: And our team of experts show you how to live and shop responsibly by sharing world-changing lifestyle ideas, products, and more. To read show notes from Good Together and to browse all of the planet-friendly goodness that we feature, head to brightlyego slash podcast.
0: And to help spread the word about the podcast,
1: tap on this
0: episode and share Good Together with your friends and family. A simple text message helps us grow and create change around the world. Time and time again, you Texted, emailed, and DM'd us for our take on a planet-friendly way to purchase our tried and tested Brightly favorites. Because while the world of conscious consumerism is exploding, making mindful planet-friendly
1: purchases can still be a challenge. That's where the Brightly Shop comes in. To reduce some of the eco-overwhelm, every product we sell has been hand-picked and vetted by the Brightly team. You won't find anything in the shop that has less than five stars.
0: We've gone through hundreds of eco-products to discover new and emerging brands that solve sustainability problems for you every day. We even designed our own
1: products like beeswax wraps to keep things fun and to help you live brightly. So how do we help you shop sustainably? The shop launches on the first Monday of each month and is open for five days. So The shorter, planet-friendly shopping window allows us to only order what we need. After the shop closes, we pack and ship
0: out products in bulk. This low-impact supply chain reduces waste and keeps
1: the planet happy. Brightly is also climate-neutral certified. Because we are committed to climate action, we have set our entire carbon footprint from operations to shipping. We believe in the power of collective change, and we are so glad
0: you're joining us on this journey. Go to shop.brightly.eco to see what's in store. Use code GOODTOGETHER at checkout to receive two free, hand-blown, ethically-made wine glasses with any purchase. Simply add the wine glasses to your cart and apply the code at checkout. If you've ever noticed tiny plastic pellets in the sand when you're on the beach, at a lake, or really just in another natural environment... Chances are you've encountered something called nurdles. While they may be small, they're a huge threat to the environment, and no one knows that better than today's guest. Jace Tunnell is the director of the Mission Aransas Reserve at the University of Texas Marine Science Institute, and he's also the founder of Nurdle Patrol. It's a citizen science project led by the Marine Science Institute. Jace talks to me about all sorts of things related to nurdles. I like to say we are nerding out about it. We talk about the impact that they have on the environment, how they might be showing up in food sources near you, and how you can get involved as a conscious consumer. Let's listen in. Hey, Jace. Welcome to Good Together. I am so excited to nerd out about nurdles with you, but I'm sure you've heard that one before. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm happy
2: to be here. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. So, listeners, um, you know, as you just heard in the intro, we are here to talk about nurdles, which are small, harmful plastic pellets kind of floating around in the universe. And one thing I'm just really excited to get into is talking about how nurdles have become a thing. Um, And, you know, Jace, I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about what nurdles are and what their history are.
2: Yeah, so uh, nurdles are the basis of everything plastic. So, you know, all the the computers you have in your house, all the kitchenware, uh, plastic bags, uh, even think about the glasses you're wearing or the car parts uh, in your car. You know, all that stuff that is an actual product started out as as a little tiny nurdle that is about the size of a lentil. And they ship these all around the world uh, after they manufacture them uh, to places that then melt them down, uh, put color to them, and make them into the product that you use on an everyday basis. And they really started manufacturing these about 70 years ago, is when they started mass producing them. And so ever since then, uh, you know, there's been a release of these plastics uh, into the environment where they manufacture them. Uh, As they transport them and then as they get them to the distribution sites where they're going to be sent out across the world, every single one of these places um, and, and transportation methods, there's a way for these to get out into the environment.
0: Yeah. And one of the interesting things I find about nurdles, I mean, there's a, a million things, but I think most of us, when we think about plastics, we know that typically plastics are not great for the environment, They, especially single-use plastics. But I think most of us believe that the plastics that we're talking about start as like I don't know, a sheet of plastic. <laughs> or maybe um the plastic that we're talking about is made in a mold. Like I don't think most of us understand that in order for a plastic thing to be manufactured, it has to the, the actual raw material has to be given to the company, the factory, et cetera, in this almost like you know sand like it's hard for people to to visualize but i like your um your thought of a lentil right like just imagine like a big sack of lentils that are actually little tiny plastic beads i had no idea that um you know this is the way that a lot of plastic things start off of and so why why did they go that route from from a manufacturing perspective
2: well you can think about all the tiny things that are made of plastic and so a lot of these Uh, companies that are making plastic products you know they have to be able to mold this stuff um, sometimes very small um, you know into these molds that that, um, they need very tiny plastic pellets Um, and so uh, there's also flakes and powders. so it can get even smaller than the lentil size you know flakes are just what you would think is like little bitty specks of it and then powders is like baby powder. You know, you you know what that looks like. It's just that, you know, that stuff's out there too, but it it gets dispersed and and there's such a small size that we can't uh, see it washing up on the shorelines.
0: Yeah, and I would imagine too if we think about it from a just general logistics perspective, they're probably easier to transport if they're in smaller packages and you know I'm sure there's like lots of economies of scale and cost there. So, um you know, these nurdles of course are made of of plastics that we're familiar with like polyethylene, polypropylene, polystyrene, et cetera. and so they're they're not made of good things. Um and so Basically, you know, as, as a manufacturer, you order them, they get transported to you in these, you know, sacks, um, and then you, you make things out of them. So I think one of the questions that I had when I was, you know, doing some research on this was, how is it possible that something so small is causing so much damage? And how exactly are nurdles threatening the environment and wildlife?
2: Well, by far, the biggest impact is to wildlife. Yeah. So um, because they're so small, uh, you know, that just means they're more available to animals that are small. And, you know, a lot of animals out in the environment, that's a food source for other animals. So you kind of have this uh, food chain effect and bioaccumulation to where, uh, say, a little bitty shrimp uh, eats a little uh, powder or flake. And then you have a bigger fish uh, that comes and eats that, and a bigger fish that eats that. And then it just turns out that. You know, humans are the ones that are catching that fish to eat it. You know, it it just goes on and on. So, um, you know, the fact that these are so small and uh, available, it just means they're more available to things in the environment.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, when you think about, you're right, the the food chain and and the way animals are ingesting things, it's just it's pretty mind blowing. And I feel like, you know, as an animal, they're going to be confused, right? They think that that's a plastic pellet, some food, and so obviously if the animal itself ingests enough nurdles it's it's going to you know pass away but then you're right going down the food chain and figuring out well that fish was eaten by another fish which was eaten by a bird which was eaten by like going through that mental exercise you can very much see how even a large animal maybe like a bear um, who might not be super enticed by like a a big sack of nurdles themselves uh, might be ingesting those uh you know unknowingly and so you know the other thing that i think is is interesting to think about from an environmental perspective is just the creation of nurdles or the creation of plastics right like those c- require fossil fuels um you know those those uh, pra- processes by which plastics are are created are very harmful to the environment as well so they're not great. <laughs> they're really not. Yeah, that, and and we're, we're, it's a problem, right?
2: Right. Exactly. And so uh, you bring up a good point is that, you know, the animals eating these, you know, there's a couple of ways that uh, they can be impacted and one is, you know, them eating it. There's no nutritional value. They feel like they're full. Uh, say a bird or a fish yep. or something like that, then they end up starving to death. But the other thing that uh, we haven't mentioned is that these act like a sponge when they're in the environment. So these nurdles can actually absorb harmful chemicals as they're floating around out of the water. And so, you know, some of those uh, acronyms you hear about, like DDT, PCBs, uh, PAHs, things like that, that, you know, you don't want on your skin. Well, you definitely don't want animals to be eating these. Uh, and the thing that um, some of the research is looking at right now is, you know, those chemicals that are absorbed onto these nurdles uh, after an animal eats them, you know, do they uh, uh, leave the lining of the stomach of the animal mm. and then get into the muscle tissue? And yep. that's especially important when you're thinking about, uh, say, commercial fisheries or even recreational fisheries. You know, has that um, animal or that fish eaten that nurdle and then the chemicals going beyond the stomach lining into the muscle tissue that then we're eating. You know, that's one of the things that uh, hasn't been confirmed yet, but because these animals are exposed to so many other types of things but there, there there, are studies right now looking at that. And so hopefully within the next two or three years, we'd have the answers to that.
0: And I was just about to ask you that, right? Like, yeah, what's the impact on people who are potentially eating, um, you know, animals that have ingested that? So I'm really glad to hear that that research is being done. Because like you said, of course, unfortunately, animals that are, you know, fish specifically, right? Like that are wild caught oftentimes do have, um, you know, exposure to, to chemicals and and nasty things that they probably didn't, um, have exposure to, you know, a decade, a a few decades ago, um, that that's one potential issue with, um, you know, consuming fish that are wild caught, which is unfortunate, right? Because the alternative of farm raised is not great either. So as consumers, right, like as, as good together listeners who are conscious consumers, we're all kind of weighing these pros and cons, these options when we go to, you know, potentially think about, um, consuming fish. So I'm glad that that research is being done. So, um, Another question I had for you is, you know, where where are these nurdles found, and how have they gotten there? Because mentally, I'm like kind of thinking in my head, okay, definitely the oceans, um, but I know we, you know, we we do see them show up in in lakes, et cetera. So tell me a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah, well, um, so what started all this nurdle patrol off uh, and having citizen scientists go out and looking for nurdles? was that we were seeing um, there was what we were calling a spill at the time. We thought it was a nardle spill in Corpus Christi, Texas in uh, September of 2018. And so we ended up calling the Coast Guard who called the state agency. They came out, took samples and they said, you know, we don't know how to clean this up and we don't know who spilt it. So, you know, there's really nothing we can do about it. And that's what when we said, you know, we got to get some citizen scientists out here, Uh, you know, four or five of us looking around to see how long these things are going to be around and how far they spread. And uh, so we created a Facebook page for us to interact and show pictures. And so we could follow that within a couple of weeks. We had over 300 people that were saying, I want to know if they're coming on our beach. And, you know, they were all around yeah. the Gulf of Mexico. And so that's really what uh, kind of kicked this off. And we didn't know much at the time. But now, three years later, we know that these are found way up in the base systems Uh, you know, not just at the beach, but these are way up in the watershed. These are up in the rivers. These are in the lakes that are are drinking water. These are along railroad tracks. Uh, They're being found uh, anywhere they're being transported. These things are being found. And so this hasn't, you know, at first we thought it was just a coastal thing and maybe just in Texas, but uh, you know, there's been over 18 countries now that have uh, put data into the neural patrol portal, and it's all over the world. And it's, it's way inland in the uh, United States. Although what we have found is that in the base systems that have the higher concentrations of plastic manufacturing sites, that's yeah. where you will find the highest concentration of nurdles. And I yeah. mean really high concentrations.
0: Yeah, that's not surprising. I mean, honestly, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the Nerdle Patrol in, in a bit. But that to me, what the the task you're you're kind of asking people to, do, it's almost like the worst scavenger hunt ever, right? Like you don't want people to <laughs> find things, <laughs> but they but they are right. And so this is one of those you know really amazing examples of citizens, concerned citizens, coming together to investigate and do some some great research. And a few more statistics that we found when we were doing research for this this uh, podcast episode. I mean. It's estimated that over 250,000 tons of nurdles enter the ocean every year. So it's just the ocean. And there was a recent incident that you might have heard about. I actually think that this is probably where I originally first heard about nurdles was in May 2021, there was a container ship that sank in the Indian Ocean. And according to the United Nations, that incident of the container ship sinking caused 87 containers of nurdles, which is roughly around um, 1,600 tons to spill into the ocean. and those nurdles have been washing up in the billions on Sri Lanka's coastline ever since and they've it, unfortunately this has been killing dolphins and other animals in the process. And so I, I of course we're all very familiar with the harmful impacts of oil spills and other chemical spills into the ocean. but for me um, just thinking about just billions of these tiny little plastic pellets floating around in the ocean to be consumed, by wildlife was just so heartbreaking. And so, yeah, to me, it's just, it's just such a wake-up call that we need to all pay attention together, right?
2: Right. You know, that specific uh, incident there in May of 2021 uh, was off the coast of Sri Lanka. And uh, anybody who knows about that place knows, knows that it's a tourist beach destination, beautiful yep. beaches, uh, clear water, and, uh, you know, this ship had wrecked right off the reef uh, offshore there. And there was literally waist deep in nurdles. Oh, my that's God. A, the, yeah. it, the photos. And, and I've talked to the folks over there because they said, you know, what can we do? And, you know, my um, advice to them was, you know, start doing uh, surveys, you know, the 10 minute surveys so that you can see how the concentrations change over time. And uh, the distribution you know, along the beach is how they change. Uh, but they, they were uh, so thick and the nurdles, like you said, there were dead animals coming up. They had fish where you could, they would pick up the fish and look inside of it and it was solid nurdles in the oh fish.
0: My gosh. Oh so my it's, gosh. It was really sad. That's awful. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about Nerdle patrols. So, so so what we've gathered is, you know, it, this is a group of citizen scientists, as you call them, who are coming together around the world to report nurdles and to study them in their own sort of a local ecosystem. So what does it mean to be a citizen scientist? And how are you activating people around the world? Um, what data are you
1: collecting? Um, and, and all of that. <laughs> When you think about reducing your carbon footprint, your mind probably goes to reducing the amount of meat you eat or conserving energy in your home. While both of those can make an impact, another method that doesn't get nearly enough attention is greening your finances. A 2020 report found that 35 of the world's biggest banks have given $3.8 trillion to fossil fuel companies since 2016. If your bank doesn't have the same values as you do, there is no better time than now to make the switch to Aspiration. Aspiration is an online banking alternative that offers socially conscious and sustainable ways to spend and save so you can make money while making the world a better place. And unlike the big banks, Aspiration doesn't use your deposits to fund oil pipelines or exploration. We love that Aspiration is a B Corp and 1% for the planet member. They also give you the option to plant a tree with every single purchase. With Aspiration Plus, you can earn $200 when you spend $1,000 in the first 60 days of the account opening. You also get 10% cashback when shopping with Aspiration's Conscious Coalition partners, such as Brightly. Ready to make the switch to Aspiration? Head to Aspiration.com forward slash Brightly, that's A-S-P-I-R-A-T-I-O-N dot com forward slash brightly to learn more about socially conscious finance and sign up for a new cash management account. Aspiration financial LLC member SIPC. Aspiration is not a bank and is not affiliated with brightly.
2: Okay. Well, citizen scientists, um, that's just a volunteer that wants to be able to go out, uh, collect some information to be able to go towards a larger research project. And so, um, you know, right when we started out uh, with this Nertle Patrol in 2018, uh, you know, there we knew immediately that we weren't going to be able to do this uh, just at the university level. So, you know, yep. we weren't going to be able to have only five of us going out there. So we needed to kind of crowdsource folks to be able to help go out and collect information. And so uh, how we ended up doing that was creating this Nertle Patrol and getting the methodology right, so that everyone's collecting the exact same information so that it can be compared you know what's going on in Texas to what's going on in California to what's going on in Sri Lanka, you know anywhere in the world. yeah, and so um, uh, we ended up getting the the uh, methodology published in a scientific uh, peer-reviewed publication. Uh, and then we created a short video so that people can go watch a four minute video and basically be an expert wow. <laughs> so they can tell, they can tell, Oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I go out for 10 minutes, uh, to the tide line, um, or the strand line, yep. and I collect for 10 minutes. Then how many I have left, I go into nurdlepatrol.org put my information in there and a, a colored dot shows up on a map. Okay. And so this mapping system is what is key to the whole nerdle patrol. And uh, why anyone in the world can use it because it's like a Google Earth type platform where you know they put their data in and then they can zoom in to their house, to their local beach and they can start gathering information on if they have a problem or not. And then they can print that map up digitally or hard copy and then send it to their elected officials uh, or they can send it to their state agency and say, look, we have a problem here. We need to make change. And so we've tried to be able to, create a free way for uh, citizen scientists to get involved and know that their data is going to try to change policy on the way these plastic pellets are handled.
0: I think that's such an awesome idea to be able to activate anyone to, to help you with this. I think when, even when I heard the term citizen scientist, I was like, Oh, does that just mean, um, you know, scientists who are citizens? Then I'm like, well, wait, that doesn't make any sense. It's not like you can be another type of scientist, I guess. (laughs) Maybe, (laughs) maybe over in England, you can be like a Royal scientist or something. I don't know. But um, I love the fact that, you know, if I wanted to go out and do this with a group of friends, um, I live in the Seattle area, Puget Sound. There's so many different, you know, coastlines and, you know, Uh, lakes and all sorts of things that I could do this with. And I, and you know, I also love the idea of getting you know schools involved. I'm not sure if you've if you've done that, but um, just getting people to really actually put their hands you know in the sand and and start to actually see what's going on in the ecosystem around them is fascinating because it's one thing to read an article and to get upset about the you know the the, the things that are happening in Sri Lanka, etc. Et but it's another thing to actually you know, go out and and be a little bit of an activist in your own way. And another thing that we like to talk about on this podcast is the choice of conscious consumerism. And so I think, again, this is a learning that we talk about constantly on the podcast, but like single use plastic and plastic in general is just not great for the environment. There's really not any way around it. And so the more that uh, we as consumers can avoid plastic and start to kind of retrain our mind away from that the better, right? Because then we're not going to have this global demand for plastics, but it's hard. I mean, we, you don't have control over what things are shipped to you in. I mean, you do have control over who you buy them from and hopefully, um, you know, places are, are uh, choosing to have better shipping materials, etc. Um, but even in your own home life, right? Like thinking twice about using stuff like cling wrap or, um, you know, plastic bags all over the place. Like, I just think in general, the more we can just start to break up with plastic, the better, right?
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, 100%. And um, yeah, I mean, because the the consumption of plastic is directly tied to how many nurdles are are out there. So, um, you know, in one of the easy ways, like you said, the plastic bag, that's an easy one, you know, there's reusable bags we can do. But the other one that I always try to harp on, is the plastic bottles. Okay. And so, yep. you know, in the U.S., uh, 99.9% of the water is drinkable out of the tap, uh, you know. And so there's no reason to have a plastic bottle uh, unless you're traveling uh, overseas in another country or something like that. Uh, but, it, you know, trying to re- reduce the amount of plastic waste, the plastic bottles is probably the number one thing that we could do to, uh, in our own lives to be able to change that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I am like attached at the hip to my my own personal reusable water bottle. Um, And I think in general, like, just Just having that lens on plastic consumption and thinking about, okay, I mean, this is maybe a little bit more applicable to pre COVID days when you're going to events, but I always notice when, um, if I'm at an event, I notice if the serveware, you know, at like the event, uh, you know, meal station is reusable. You know, is it just regular silverware or is it compostable? I notice those things. Um, I've been happy to report that I've definitely seen an uptick um, in more eco friendly options. I've, I'm also on the West Coast, though, which I think kind of can overindex on that stuff sometimes, but just truly thinking about the amount of plastic we are consuming in our daily lives and realizing that, you know, we we've done multiple episodes on plastic. So please, listeners, go back and and have a listen at a few of those if you're if you're interested. But it's this is just a problem that's been brewing for decades and decades. It's been, you know, subsidized by the government. There's all sorts of like, unfortunately, nasty things going on in the plastics industry. Excuse me, industry. Uh, but as we start to become more aware of this and more aware of the impacts of plastic on our environments, on our personal lives, I think we can make a huge difference. So Number one, right? Stay away from those single use plastics. Um, I'm also curious, Jace, how do you when when people approach you and they say, We'd love to go out and do, you know, a study for Nerdle Patrol, do you also tell them, hey, like, why don't you pair this with like a beach cleanup, right? Like just taking out plastic in general, right?
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. So uh, we have groups all the time from all over the country that contact us and say, you know, we want to be able to help out. They say we do cleanups all the time anyway. We'd love to spend 10 minutes of our time just going out and doing a nerdle survey. You know, what should we do? And uh, we have um, nurdle startup kits that we can send groups that are going to do something like that. And it has glass sampling jars in it. Uh, it has uh, tweezers, field notebooks, things like that, so that they'd be able to Everything that they would need to be able to put on an event uh, is right there in that bag. That's um, awesome. And, and I, noticed, I know that you had mentioned something about teachers earlier. Yes. So a similar type thing, you know, school groups want to go out and be able to do these types of events. So on our homepage, we put a uh, free teacher NURTLE kit. We okay. got a grant to be able to, um, you know, create these uh, curriculum about plastics reaching the ocean. And so, um, we ask teachers to go in, fill the thing out and we'll mail it to them. And so this grant is, we have four more years of it. So
0: that's you know, awesome.
2: Teacher, we sent out 700 of those so far and we figure each teacher has anywhere from 50 to 60 students. So that, that's a bit, a huge uh, impact that we can have in trying to educate the next generation about how plastics reach the ocean and then what some solutions are to try to solve the problem.
0: Absolutely. I mean, if if these next generations are, you know, starting with the, you know, understanding that plastics aren't great, that's only just going to continue to um, you know, propagate out as they get older and, you know, they become less reliant on it on, on, unlike us or, you know, even our parents or their parents. Um, and another thing I wanted to ask was, <laughs> you know, and this is kind of a, um, you know, on the spot, but I'm curious to know, have you, um, do you have any stories off the top of your head of, you know, just an impactful, uh, you know, Nerdle Patrol study that somebody sent your way? Has anybody ever shared, um, you know, just like really interesting findings or anything surprising?
2: Um, I, I did just get an email yesterday of this girl scout and this isn't necessarily research, but this uh, girl scout was real interested in, um, doing something for a nurdle patrol. She okay. actually created a nurdle patch for her, uh, scout troop. Wow. And, <laughs> and then this last weekend, uh, they all went out, the whole troop went out and did a survey. It's in California. And so they did a survey out there and uh, not only did they um, put their survey into nerd Patrol.org, but the nerds that they collected, they're sending off to Japan where there's a group over there that's looking at the chemicals that have been absorbed into it. Wow. And so, you know, this is a, a group of, uh, you know, teenage girls that are making an impact, um, you know, by, by, doing the nerl patrol and also some research on chemicals being absorbed into plastics. I mean, how cool is that? <laughs>
0: That's really cool. And actually that that uh, reminds me of another question that I had forgotten to answer ask you earlier, which was Okay. So let's say we collect a bunch of nurdles. Um, how do we dispose of them? Like what happens? What's the best way to dispose of these nurdles? I guess both on a personal level and then also on a, you know, broader level. Have you thought a lot about that?
2: Yeah. And I get this question all the time. Yeah. So people are like, what do we, we have them now. You know, what do we do with them? Well, yeah. they're too small to be recycled. So mm, do okay. not put them in your recycle bin. Um, you know, if you're going to, like, if you just don't want them, I'd say put them in the uh, kitchen trash bag or put them in an old pickle jar, you know, something that can be sealed up so that once they're in the dumpster, they're not going to fall out on the way to the landfill. But the main thing I would say, and I keep all mine, I have them in a cool jar. And actually we put them in those teacher NERDLE kits uh, to educate the folks, uh, the kids about, you know, plastics. But, um, if, if. The best thing I would say is find a cool jar and then you can show other people about what they are, Uh, you know, educate folks with them.
0: Yeah. I almost wonder if we could do a challenge and have people like make an art project out of them or something. You know what I mean? Like figure out an interesting way to kind of reuse them because you're right. I mean, it sounds like there's not a system set up in place for us to dispose of these at all. And so, you know, we talk a lot about things consumers can do, but of course we also talk a lot about, um, you know, actions that governments can and should take. And I feel like you know, there's so much work that needs to be done at a policy uh, level around disposal of plastics. And it sounds like Nurtles are no exception.
2: Exactly. And, you know, be, over the last three years, something that we learned was that, the um, you know, higher concentration uh, sites are where all the manufacturers are. And so it turns out that so far in the last three years that Texas has the highest concentrations. And I'm talking, um, you know, 30,000 in a 10 minute period. Wow. You know, the, this is like massive amounts of nurdles being found. And so, you know, we were able to take that information and we worked with the Surfrider Foundation to be able to develop uh, language for changing policy in Texas. So we came up with the Texas nurdle Bill. And so we had a local uh, leader here who was able to author the bill this last legislative session. And it was all about. Changing the stormwater permits for these any any company that handles plastic pellets, and saying that there should be zero plastic pellet loss, because currently there's a loophole in there yep. uh, to where you know it it it, it doesn't um, prevent any company from uh, not releasing pellets and so that's one of the policy changes that we think can have the biggest impact because then that gives the regulators the inspectors you know the ammo they need to be able to go in and say you have pellets on the ground you need to do these best management practices or we're going to fine you
0: yes exactly yeah no they actually need some teeth right to be able to to do this so that's that's really exciting to hear on a texas level and i'm hopeful that we you know. Uh, stories like this case studies of this being done on the state level can really be brought up to the national level as well because you know this country oftentimes i think doesn't hold companies accountable for the end of life of their products right like we're really excited about them pumping a bunch of new great products like into the world but we don't you know require them to think through you know what happens to the product when it's done, or in this instance, what happens to raw materials of the product that are not used, right? They're spilled and they're, um, you know, entering the environment. And so, yes, those companies absolutely need to be held accountable for the disposal or the containment um, and, you know, hopefully of the reduction of plastics um, into our environment. But that is something that we as consumers are going to have to really push on them um, from a dollar perspective, right? Like try not to buy as much single-use plastic. Um, realize that, of course, we're not saying all plastic is terrible. There's definitely a time and place for it in, in, in certain areas. But just thinking through, um, you know, various things that you yourself can buy and how you can make them, um, you know, get them out of other materials. But Jace, I, um, you know, one, as we kind of close out the interview, one question that we like to ask our guests, um, it's it's very similar, everybody kind of gets the same question. But I'm curious to know, really, what excites you the most about the movement that we're all seeing right now towards more eco-friendly living and, you know, sustainable lifestyles?
2: Well, there's uh, this talk about a circular economy,
0: yes, and
2: that um, companies would only be producing products that could be recycled into something or reused into something else. And I think that is uh, that's exciting to me to think that you know all this work that we're doing, um, you know, on trying to uh, educate folks about you know plastics in the ocean and all that kind of stuff. Well, what if there's a way for you know all this stuff to be reused and, and recycled into something else. Uh, that, so that there's a lot of, uh, I think, positivity on the horizon uh, that's coming up. So Absolutely. I think that's really exciting.
0: <laughs> me too. I love that. So Jace, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Um, listeners, if you're interested in learning more about Jace's work with Nerdle Patrol, you can go to nerdlepatrol.org um, and we'll include the link to that in our show notes and article that accompanies this. Uh, so thanks so much.
2: Okay. Thanks for having me.
1: joining us on another episode of Good Together. As always, you can get show notes and explore lots more content related to all things eco-friendly living by checking out brightly.eco/podcast. And don't forget to join in on the conversation that's happening on our
0: Facebook group. Simply search Good Together Ethical Shopping and it'll come up. You can also leave us a question through voicemail. The link is on
1: brightly.eco/podcast. If you're into social media, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and all of the channels. Our username is brightly.eco. Finally, we want to leave you with a reminder. Every day is a chance for
0: you to create change, and you're already covered for today since you joined us here on the podcast. Stay kind and live brightly.